Good morning, Golden Corner Church. It is good to see you today. Do you have any idea how privileged I feel to be your pastor? And I can't tell you how privileged I am to be able to stand here this morning and pass on to you the thoughts that are on God's mind for Golden Corner Church this very day, this very moment. I'm excited, Burl, because this morning I'm going to start a brand new sermon series entitled, With a Little Help from My Friends. And here's the thesis of the series. You ready? To become what God wants us to be, we're going to need a little help from our friends. I should have raised a question in your mind, that is, Ronnie, what does God want us to be? I think it's simple. God wants us to be close in our relationship with Him. God wants us to be Christ-like in our character. And God wants us to be a difference maker in our world. That's what God wants. So what does it take to develop into the person God wants? Well, it'll take the Bible. And it'll take prayer. And it'll take faith, and it's going to take some obedience, and yes, it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. All those are essential to becoming what God wants, but there's one more essential we can't afford to overlook. It'll take people. We will not evolve into the person God desires without the help of people. Now, there are times I've condensed my sermon into one sentence. Well, this morning, I'm condensing the whole series into one sentence. To become what God wants us to be, we will need a little help from our friends. Now, does that mean that you can miss any of the sermons in this series? Absolutely not. Stay out, and we will hunt you down like a dog. You got that? Let me illustrate what I'm talking about with a story found in the Bible. It's found in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. And we're going to read chapter 18, verse 1 through 4 in just a minute. Before we do, let me set the stage and tell you what's happening. Now, I'm going to forewarn you. It's a long story. But you're going to pay attention to me, right? You're not going to sleep like that first crowd, are you, huh? <laughs> no, they did well. They did well. It's a long story. And, and I've got to be honest with you, it's one of the most complicated stories I've ever tried to wrap my mind around. So it's been a challenge for me. And I think it could be challenging to you. So here's what you're going to do. Whisper a prayer right now and say, God, help me get this. At the outset of the story, God has fired the king of Israel, a guy named Saul. Now, how would it look on your resume? <laughs> I was once the king of Israel, but I was terminated by God. I, I got to see that as a real obstacle to getting future employment. And God was in the process of replacing Saul with the man that he had chosen, a guy named David. Now, David was a very unlikely choice. He, it was, he was such an unlikely choice that his father, David's father, was told, one of your sons has been chosen by God to be the next king, so bring your boys to a meeting and I will identify him and anoint him at the meeting. David was such an unlikely candidate for the position that his own daddy didn't even take him to the meeting. He left him in charge of the sheep. 
And so God had an obstacle in front of him. He had to make what was not obvious, obvious. He had to to make what was not obvious to a nation, obvious to an entire nation. So I'll tell you what he did, first of all. It all started on a battlefield, a place called the Valley of Elah. Philistines, the enemies of Israel, brought their troops. The Israelites brought their troops, and they're getting ready to go into a fierce battle. When the Philistines unveiled their secret weapon, he was a giant by the name of Goliath. And he walked out to the Israelite boys, and he said, here's the way this is going to go down. Any one of you who's, who's, who's feeling it, I want you to come on, take me on one-on-one. Now, if you can whip me, that's it. All the Philistines will become your slaves. However, if I whip you, all the Israelites are going to become our slaves. There were no takers. So he came out the next after, that afternoon. He did the same thing. No takers. He did this for 40 days, morning and evening. No takers. All of a sudden, David shows up. He's not a soldier. He didn't come there to fight. He's actually just running an errand for his dad. He sees what's going on. He says, well... There's no reason for this to continue. He gets his shepherd's sling. He gets five smooth stones. He walks out there and with one throw, kills the giant just like that. And then it proceeds to cut his head off. Now, I want you to think about this. David did this in front of the entire Israelite army. As they're all watching. What is happening? God is bringing David into focus before a nation. Now, he also brought David to the attention of King Saul. Saul inquired, who is that kid? Who is his daddy? And I would like to meet him. So David came over, and he was introduced to Saul. They had a little bit of chit-chat. And that's where we pick up chapter 18, verse number 1. I want you to read this with me. You ready? After David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan. Now, this is key, guys. This is a key to our story. He met a guy named Jonathan, and who was Jonathan? The king's son. It was Saul's boy, of all people. There was an immediate bond between them. For Jonathan loved David. In this story, multiple times, these two are described as the best of friends. Verse number 2, from that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. Now, what was going on here? Was he holding him hostage? Was he keeping him prisoner? No, 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 no. Saul saw something in David that he liked, and so he hired him on his staff. Now, what would you think you would hire this guy to be? You just saw him take this giant out with, with one little rock from a shepherd's sling. What do you think he would hire him to be? He hired David to be the staff harpist. Now, David's an interesting guy. Uh, you know, you could talk agriculture with David. He talked about sheep, goats, raising them. You know, you, you could, uh, he was a gifted musician, wrote poetry. And listen, he could finish a poem and then kick your tail if that's what he needed to do. He hires him to be the harpist, and here's why Saul had been going through a tough time. He was being tormented at times by depression and anxiety. And one of the things he had found that helped him was listening to music. So he hired David to be the harpist. Verse number three. Jonathan made a solemn pact. It was a pact of friendship with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Verse 4, look at this, because this is going to sound strange to you. Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David. Together with his tunic, sword, bow, and belt. Does that sound weird to you? Let me tell you what it meant. There was symbolism behind this. 
Jonathan saw something in David really before anybody else did. Jonathan saw that David was God's choice to be the next king. He saw it. Nobody had to tell him. He saw it. Now, guess who was in line to be the next king? Jonathan. By birth, Jonathan stood to inherit the throne. This is symbolic of him turning the throne over to David and saying, I surrender it. I'm willing to sacrifice it because it's your destiny, not mine. Now, the army goes back into town, and they're having this huge parade. So word had gone ahead of them of the great military battle that had been won. And, and so I imagine it kind of looked like Cleveland after the NBA finals. There are people lining the streets, and they're celebrating. And somebody's written a song, and all these ladies are singing this song. There's a line in the song that says, Saul has killed his thousands. I had to make Saul feel good. And then the next line said, David has killed his tens of thousands. Saul didn't like that song. It made him very angry. And he saw something in David that few had seen. He saw that David was probably going to take the throne from him. And the Bible said from that point on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Now, he gave him additional responsibilities. He made him his personal armor bearer. That had to show some signs of trust, respect. I don't know. Well, all of a sudden, there came this day, Saul was having a really bad day. As a matter of fact, this is the way the Bible describes his behavior. It said he was raving like a madman. So somebody said, quick, you better get David in here. You know, get the heart plugged up, get it tuned up. We need some music, and we need some music in a hurry. David comes in, he starts playing the harp, and boy, it's not working. Saul is just fuming. He has a thought. I can end this thing now. I can eliminate the competition. So he reaches and grabs a spear. You know a bad idea is to have a spear in close proximity to a raving madman. You know, that's just not a good idea. But he grabbed the spear and he hurled it at David, hoping that he could pin him to the wall, that's what the Bible says, and kill him. But David avoided it. Now, you know what Saul did next? He reached and got another spear. You know a worse idea? Give a raving madman two spears. Give him two shots. Saul took another shot at David, and he avoided it, and he escaped. After this, he did something that seemed kind of weird to me. (laughs) If that wasn't already weird. He gave David more responsibilities. He made him leader of a thousand of his soldiers. And to be frank with you, this is a little hodgeology. I don't think that he was necessarily rewarding him or promoting him. I think in the back of mind, he's thinking, the more I can get David out on that battlefield, the more likely it is that somebody else will kill him. Well, sooner or later, he actually sent David on a suicide mission. And he knew in his mind, he, he knew he's going to die. He's not coming back from this one. But instead of it being a suicide mission, God enabled David to turn it into a rousing success. The Bible said that every time the Philistines would attack, David did a better job of leading his men than any of the other commanders did in leading their men. It was just one success after another, after another, after another. And so all of a sudden, this little shepherd boy goes from total obscurity to being famous. Everybody in Israel knew who he was, and everybody in Israel loved 
him what was happening. God made the unlikely choice the obvious choice. Now, did Saul give up on this idea of eliminating him? Oh, no, 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 no. He has a staff meeting. He sits the staff down. Jonathan's in the meeting. He said, here's, put this on your to-do list, guys. Put it on the top of your list. Uh, next thing for, for you guys to do is I want you to assassinate David. Well, Jonathan speaks up. That's his friend. He pleads his friend's case, and he, and he actually succeeds in talking Saul out of it. And Saul assures him, hey, you got my word. I'll never raise a hand against him. Listen, it wasn't long until Saul's in one of those moods, and David's playing music, and what does Saul do? He reaches and grabs another spear. You'd think they'd learn to, to check the room you know, sooner. And he, and he tries to kill David again. David escaped. And what David did next, I don't know if this is real bright. He married Saul's daughter. Huh? Kind of know what you're getting here in a father-in-law, right? He married Saul's daughter. Saul planned one more time to kill David. This time he was going to send troops to David's house who would kill him in his sleep. Word leaked to David's wife, who tipped off David, and she helped David escape. Now, if I'm correct... That's five assassination attempts that didn't work out. And one additional that Saul was talked out of. Which brings us to chapter 20, verse number 1. Now, I've got to ask you a question right here. You still with me? I believe you are. Chapter 20, verse number 1. We're going to read four verses. David now fled from Naoth and Ramah, and he found Jonathan. What have I done, he exclaimed. What is my crime? How have I offended your father that he so determined to kill me? Let me tell you what's happening here. David believes that there's another assassination attempt coming. And he has gone to Jonathan, his friend, for help. So how does Jonathan respond? Look at verse number 2. He said, that's not true, Jonathan protested. You're not going to die. He always tells me everything is going to do, even the little things. I know my father wouldn't hide something like this from me. It just isn't so. John's trying to calm him down and go, listen, you got some bad information. If, if this were going down, I would know. He said nothing to me. I don't think you got anything to worry about. Look how David responds. Then verse number 3, Then David took an oath before Jonathan and said, Your father knows perfectly well about our... What's the word on the screen? Friendship. That's a key word. Your father knows about our friendship, so he has said to himself, I won't tell Jonathan, why should I hurt him? But look what he says, but I swear to you that I'm only a step away from death. I'm not wrong on this. I'm not being overly suspicious. I'm not running from my shadow. This is really happening. I swear, I swear it by the Lord and by your own soul. Look at verse number four. Tell me what I can do to, what's that word? Help you. That's a key word. Tell me what I can do to help you, Jonathan exclaimed. Now listen, guys, we're, we're wrapping this up, wrapping the story up. You hang with me just another few minutes, will you? John said, how can I help you? David said, we're about to have this new moon, moon celebration. There's going to be a big meal every day. Whatever's going to happen to me is going to happen to me at this celebration. So I'm not going. I'm going to go out into a field where I've hidden from your daddy before and I'm going to hide again. And you're going to go to that dinner 
And at some point, Saul is going to ask you, where's David? And when he does, this is what you're going to tell him. David's not coming. He had business, family business in Bethlehem, and I gave him some time off. He said, I want, to watch, I want you to watch how your daddy reacts. If he goes, oh, okay, then I have overreacted. There's nothing to it. But if your daddy flies mad, if he goes into a rage, it's evidence that his plot to assassinate me has been foiled. Will you do that? Jonathan said, you got it. And then David said, how am I going to know how he reacts? Jonathan said, take a walk with me. They leave town and they go out into a field. And on the far end of the field, there's a heap of stones. And Jonathan said, as soon as, he said, you're going to hide. I know your hiding place. You're going to hide right behind that stack, that stack of rock. And he said, as soon as I know one way or the other, I'm coming back here. I'm going to stand here on the far end. I'm going to bring a kid with me. I'm going to shoot three arrows. Just as so I'm target practicing. And I'm going to tell that kid, go get my arrows. And he said, if I yell, whoa, come back, come back, you've gone too far. He said, that's the signal that you're safe and you need to come on back. He said, but if you hear me go, Go further, go further. You haven't gone far enough. That's a signal that you're in grave danger. And you need to get out of here. So David goes to hide. Jonathan goes to the dinner. Saul notices David's not there, but no big deal. He's assuming he'll be here one night, and that's going to be good enough. And the second night, David doesn't show up again, and Saul looks at Jonathan and said, where's your buddy? Where's David? He said, oh, David had family business to tend to in Bethlehem. I gave him some time off. I'll tell you what, Saul erupted. He cursed his son. As a matter of fact, what he called him, I'm not going to read, and I'm not going to say. You can read it for yourself later. He cursed him. Then he looked at him, and he said, Jonathan, I know what you're up to. You want him to be king instead of you. And then he said this. He said, you are nothing but a major embarrassment to your mother and me. Now that'll bless you, won't it? He said, go get David so that I can kill him. Jonathan began to plead for his friend. And this made Saul uh, more angry. And you know what Saul did? Saul reached and grabbed a spear. That dude always had a spear. Can nobody notice a spear? Not a pocket knife. You know, man, the guy's got a spear. Come on. Reason grabbed the spear, and he tried to kill his own son right there on the spot. Jonathan left. He wasn't afraid. He was embarrassed at his daddy's behavior, but the Bible said he was angered by his father's behavior. He knew what he had to do. I could see him go by the house. I imagine him just wailing, crying. He gets his bow, he gets his quiver, got the arrows. I believe he gets his composure. He goes and gets his kid and said, you need to come with me. I just imagine that walk to the field was grueling emotionally. That he was trying to suppress his emotions in front of that kid with, with every ounce of energy he had. And he walks out there and he fires three arrows. And he tells the kid, go get him. 
Then he said some words that had to grieve his heart. He said, go farther, go farther. They're beyond you. Can you imagine what David must have felt? Just the crushing blow. I want you to understand something. These were two men's men. Jonathan was an incredible warrior and so was David. They were bad dudes. They loved each other. Kid comes back with arrows. Jonathan gave him everything. He said, take these back to the house. And I believe at that point, he broke. And the Bible said that David came out from his hiding place weeping and fell at Jonathan's feet, expressing his gratitude. You know why? Now, these two men were about to lose something that was of incredible value to them. A friend. A friend. And they wept bitterly. And they said their goodbyes. And Jonathan walked, watched David walk right out of his life. The only thing I feel that helped him in that moment was the realization that my mission as his friend has been completed. He has escaped. And because he has escaped, he will live. And because he will live, he will one day become king of Israel. And so it was. Now, what do we learn in this story? You still with me? We've got plenty of time. We've got plenty of time, guys. To become what God wants us to be, we will need the help of our friends. God wanted David to be king. So he created opportunities that would vault David into the limelight. And then God enabled David to succeed in each and every one of these opportunities. And therefore the Israelites all came to know him and love him and value him. The unlikely choice that God had made become the obvious choice of a nation. In addition to giving David opportunities and success, God gave David a friend. He gave him a friend. Why would he do that? God knew that David was going to need a little help from a friend if he was ever going to become king. You see, the current king, Saul, was going to try every way possible to prevent David from taking the throne. And Saul's resistance created the need for Jonathan's assistance. You hearing me? Jonathan was a tool in God's hands. God used Jonathan to help David become what God wanted him to be. That's the way it worked then. And guys, that is still the way it works. To become what God wants us to be, we're going to need a little help from our friends. And route to becoming king, David developed an enemy who tried his best to prevent God's will from becoming a reality. And unfortunately, we already have a common enemy, the devil, who's going to resist us every step of the way. You know, the devil doesn't want you to be close to God relationally. He doesn't want you to be Christ-like in your character. He doesn't want you to be a difference maker in your world. He doesn't want that to happen. 
And it's the devil's resistance that creates the need for our friend's assistance. God puts friends in our life that will help us become what he wants us to be. You want proof? Look over your shoulder. Look back over the course of your life. For those of you who have a healthy relationship with God, for those of you who are growing spiritually, for those of you who work hard at helping others, what made the difference in you? Or maybe the better question would be, who made the difference in you? Someone helped you. Someone helped you get where you are. Someone is, is, is a presence in your life who is continuing to try to help you get where God wants you to be. Truth is, we need people. We need each other. We need friends and we need the help of our friends. We need someone in our world like Jonathan who sees in us what we can be and what God wants us to be. We need friends who will get involved in our life and sacrifice personally to help us keep going. We need friends like Jonathan. And we need to be a friend like Jonathan. We will never become what God wants us to be without the help of our friends. And our friends will never become what God wants them to be without our help. It's mutual. So where do we go from here? Over the next six weeks, we're going to study the Bible. And we're going to, we're going to discover the kind of friends we need. And the kind of friend we need to be. We're going to examine our lives and see if we've got the right mix of friends. Do we have friends who are really helping us become what God wants us to be? We're going to examine ourselves and make sure that we're the right kind of friend. That we're helping our friends become what God wants them to be. And if not, we've got to consider what our next steps are going to be. Now, I've got to give you some homework, okay? That's a, now I know you kids, so the kids started school, and I know that's a bad word, but I'm going to give all of you some homework. You ready? You excited about your homework? Huh? You just laughed at me. Nobody said, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, right, homework. Yeah, we're excited about that. Will you evaluate your life and identify the people? who have been friends to you like Jonathan was to David. Who saw something in you that maybe nobody else saw. Who loved you sacrificially. Someone who was willing to not just be a casual onlooker, but to step into your life and get personally involved. Who have, who have helped you. Maybe they helped get you to Christ. Maybe they helped you get closer to Christ. Maybe they've helped you grow as a Christian. Maybe they've helped you serve and make a difference. I don't know. I want you to identify them. 
And I want you to make contact with them. If they're living, I want you to make contact with them this week. Any way you choose, you can text, you can email, you can write them a card, you can call them, you can go see them, whatever, whatever you think. You know what I want you to do? I want you to tell them. I would not be where I'm at. I wouldn't be who I am without you and your friendship. Listen, if they're deceased, here's what I want you to do. You, how many, you guys do Facebook, don't you? You guys do. Some of you guys do Facebook. Who does Facebook? Okay, three of you. Yeah, right. I'm believing that. Uh. If the person I'm talking about is deceased, I want you to go on Facebook and I want you to do a little memorial to them. I want you to tell people about them. Matter of fact, this, is, this would do me well. This is what I'd love to see. I'd love to see Facebook blow up with people talking publicly about the people who have invested in their lives and made a difference in their lives, a positive difference. I'd love to see that go all across Facebook. Of course, I won't. I don't do Facebook. Lynn can tell me all about it. That's your homework. Will you do it? Will you do it? Pam's going to do it. How many of you would join Pam? Will you do that, guys? Let's pray together. Thank you, God, for friends. For good friends who are faithful in all weathers. Who believe in us. Who invest in us. Do the right things at just the right time that keep us going. They're gifts from your hand into our life. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God, help us take a careful look. There are people who mean the world to us that need to know they mean the world to us. There are people who came along at just the right time. They played a role, and maybe we don't see them so much anymore. They need to know what an important role they've played. Help us let them know. God, over the next few weeks, help us come to understand what, what, what a real friend looks like and what they do. And I pray that you'll help us become that friend in our little circle of the world. In the name of Jesus, we pray together. Amen. You're dismissed. Have a great week.